Hello and welcome to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. I'm Sarah Pittentrick, a mum, award-winning entrepreneur, cancer survivor, mentor and coach. This podcast is all about sharing stories and showing you that you're never too old and it's never too late to achieve your goals and change your life. This episode features Leah Turner, director at Leah Does LinkedIn, where she provides bespoke one-to-one and group LinkedIn training to make LinkedIn simple and effective. Leah has also launched The Holt, a fun and friendly business membership community for aspiring and ambitious entrepreneurs. If you're on LinkedIn, you've probably seen Leah on your feed. With more than 160,000 LinkedIn followers, Leah injects personality and positivity to everything she does. She brings nothing less to this podcast episode. You can look forward to hearing Leah's story of being a lone mum on low income to building a business she loves that provides stability for her and her son. You'll also hear some actionable advice to grow your own personal impact. So let's get stuck into this episode of Formidable Over 40 podcast. So good morning, Leah, and thank you so much for joining me on the Formidable Over 40 podcast, even though I know you're not 40 (laughs) yet. But I've got a few years yet. (laughs) (laughs) But because you're so formidable, I couldn't not invite you on. So I'm formidable nearly 40. You're formidable and nearly 40. So would you share for anybody who, and I can't think how they wouldn't, unless they've been hidden somewhere under a rock for the last (laughs) God knows how long, share with them a bit about who you are and what you do. So uh, yeah, I'm 37 and I've got a seven-year-old son and it's just the two of us and it always has been since the very beginning. And I used to run a transcription business where I worked long, long hours. And in 2019, it was affected, uh, well, 2020, it was affected quite badly by COVID. Mm. um, And I lost a lot of my clients because they couldn't provide any work for me. I'd been using LinkedIn for about six months at that point and getting a lot of clients from there. And so many people were asking me, how do you do it? Mm. How are you getting all these clients? How do you think of all this content? But I took a punt and started helping other people to use LinkedIn to grow their business, to attract leads through content marketing and social selling and not any of that cold out outreach that a lot of people, a lot of business owners find really uncomfortable because they're not trained salespeople. They're not trained marketers. And that whole approach just really doesn't sit well with so many business owners. And it didn't with me. And I found a different way and was very good at it. And also very good at teaching people to do it and giving them the confidence to, to do it themselves. And so my LinkedIn training business was born and I've pretty much been fully booked ever since. It's two and a half years ago now. The business hit six figures within the first 10 months. It led me to create digital resources, sell PDF documents. So I've got sort of an e-commerce side of my business as well now. And then I opened my, what was my third business, but two at the same time, The Halt in June, which launched the first day was like a 25k launch which was unreal that was more than a significant amount more than I used to earn in a year and that's proved an incredible community of people who are so supportive so helpful and although it's not my main income it's something that really gives me joy because I'm bringing good people together to help each other and not feel so lonely on that entrepreneurial journey Mm. and the masterclasses so good like everybody gets so much value and it's a an accessible price point for small businesses as well which was really important to me so Mm. yeah in 
sort of summing it up, I guess I've just been someone who's a complete cheerleader for others. Yeah. And I've managed to make a business from it or two businesses from it. Fantastic, because I can vouch for your one-to-one coaching because I can always remember thinking LinkedIn will never be for me. Going back when sort of maybe two or three years ago and I used to sort of look at it and I used to think, oh, it's going to be full of grey suits. Do you know what I mean? And it's just, it's I'm just never going to fit in there. And then I started to sort of dabble a little bit, but it is quite daunting at first. And then I met you and the authenticity of you. And I thought, God, you know, this is just so refreshing. And yeah. I watched you and how you were doing it. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it what I've got and just be me. And hopefully by doing that, like yeah. I will attract like, and then I did your coaching which we've we've got and I can't wait for my next session with you um and it it has been absolutely so so nearly life-changing because nearly now all of my business and all of my connections and so much is coming from LinkedIn and I do think the the key to it is what you've said there it's the being authentic and working together nearly as a team isn't it collaborating and sharing I think the hardest thing for people is to get over that initial mindset of, I don't belong here. This is Mm. much more of a corporate place. But the trouble is, and I see this with all of my clients, is that they log on and they see their own newsfeed, which is full of old colleagues and bosses and Mm. people that they've randomly connected with that they don't know. And they scroll through their feed and they go, oh, God, this is depressing and completely uninteresting. But it's because they've never engaged on LinkedIn. So their algorithm doesn't know what they want to see on their newsfeed. So it's just showing them whatever it shows them. Mm. Um, so the more you start actually looking for people that you know you're going to enjoy engaging with and that will be useful to engage with, mm. the more your newsfeed fills up with things that you actually like seeing. And for me, I've got ADHD. Mm. So if something isn't giving me constant dopamine hits, I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in doing it. So my focus with people is to make LinkedIn a place that they actually really enjoy spending time because when they're enjoying spending time, it's not now a, an extra thing that they have to do, a, a work thing. They find that they're doing it because they want to do it, which makes them more present, more visible, more likely to be noticed by their ideal clients and also creates an energy around them that attracts people to them because people like to be around other people that feel good and are having fun. Yeah. It's human nature. We want to be around people that make us feel good. So if you're using it with a, I'm actually enjoying being here energy, mm. people are attracted to that. And it it makes a huge difference. And I don't think it's something that the majority of LinkedIn trainers focus on, mm. but I'm sort of of that. Anything that is hard work and, and boring to do, it's hard for us to motivate ourselves to do it. Yeah. And if you make it fun and enjoyable and sociable and engaging, you will do it even when you don't necessarily have time or, you know, you do it absentmindedly and you've got a spare five minutes here mm. and there, you're voluntarily logging on to LinkedIn because you want to see what yeah. your friends are up to, mm. what people are posting about. So I think that completely changes the mindset and it's become more, especially for me and the people I work with, it's become more like an afterworks drinks yes. net, networking mm. event mm. where you're all talking about all parts of your lives, not just business, yeah. finding reasons to relate to one another yeah. And it's leading to business. And it and it really, really, really does. Yes. It's some of the most unexpected posts that my clients put out mm-hmm. that get great interaction and, and get clients. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right what you say, like the after drinks party. It's like I'm, I'm a bit more of the breakfast meeting, the sort of before breakfast gang, because yeah. um, 
my days go crazy after eight o'clock in the morning. So I like to do the, the seven to eight shout. And I know fine well, there's no way I would be getting up and ready and makeup on to go out to a networking event. It's just never going to happen with me. It's, it's, yeah. not my, it's not my uh, my jam, but um, it's great to be able to sit with a cup of coffee in my gym jams with my dogs on the sofa and having a great chat for an hour before, before I kick the dog that's, off. That's literally something that's in one of my uh, landing pages right. is that, you can turn LinkedIn into if you could if you could create a networking event where you know that everybody in that room is someone that you will either enjoy or benefit from having the conversation with. Yeah, that's what you can turn LinkedIn into. It's that networking room, but you can network with them from the sofa that's in it. a gym jams yeah. with a coffee in your hand. Yeah, and you don't have to leave your house, and you can no. still do that thirty minutes yeah. of of intentional networking every day. And, and it's it so much business. more business. Yeah, yeah it, it is business. Yeah, yeah. There's more opportunities. There's so many other things yeah. that people you now I've worked with um with so many different people. I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds of clients that I've had now, mm. but there are so many of them that say, you know, yeah, I get leads, but it's the the podcasts they've been invited on that they yes. didn't know that existed that are really relevant to their industry, yeah. or speaking opportunities or networking events that they've been yeah. invited to to mingle with their ideal clients. Mm -hmm. And it's it's way more than just business opportunities yeah. or it's business opportunities you might not have even thought of yeah. that suddenly present themselves because someone happens to see what you're up to and likes it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. It's, it's so true. It's I, I love it now. I mean, I, I absolutely love it. And, I've you know, I met you and, 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 and so many lovely, lovely people. But, yeah, I think it's like everything you get out, what you put in, don't you? So, yeah, you're not 40, but you are a formidable force. Um, a lot of... What brought me to this podcast was that I'd recognised that a lot of midlife women had given so much to so many people. They were drained, they were tired, and they were finding themselves in the shadows. And what I want to do is I want to show them that they can use all of their experience, their lifetime experience, to propel themselves actually into their own light, their own spotlight. And you're never too old, it's never too late, you know, to design that life you love. What would what would you say is a formidable in in your in your eyes? What makes a formidable over forty woman? What makes that woman formidable? I think for me, I know that since I had my son, so I had my son when I turned thirty. I, would, I just turned thirty when he was born, mm. and I think that was the turning point for me where I stopped caring what other people think. I mean, I was never someone who really put too much stock in what other people think of me. Mm. Um, but I really stopped caring when I had my son because I had too many other things to worry about. Mm -hmm. And survival was was the biggest <laughs> thing. And when I meet women, and I've got a lot of friends who are very successful over 40 women. Mm. And when I meet, when I sort of talk to them, I think they're disencumbered from that expectation of society. And they've kind of let go of what they what people think they should be doing. Mm -hmm and started really taking ownership of their own future and making their own decisions and not apologizing for it. They've stopped, you know, when they've started their own business, they've had to learn so many new skills. They've realized that they've got talents that they didn't know that they have. And they're not, they're not apologizing for going for what they want. Mm. Because I think when I was young, I definitely was much more worried about um, other people's expectations and not disappointing people. And then I got over 30 and I was like, the only person I'm not disappointing is my son. He's mm. the most important. And I think by the time I'm 40, my son's going to be 
at an age where he doesn't need me quite as much. Mm-hmm. And it's and I'm much more free to, again, live my life without having to make too many decisions, um, too many decisions based on what other people want. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes women formidable over 40 is that they're, they're finally making choices to please themselves yeah. and to get their life where they want to be and what's making them happy mm-hmm. rather than constantly trying to please other people and dancing to somebody else's tune. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what it means for me yeah. and the women I, I know. And I think I, I completely agree. I think that's exactly what it means to me. And it's what I want it to hopefully mean for for anybody listening today. Because as I said, you know, sort of earlier, many women, we are nurturers, aren't we? You know, if, if we're mothers, we're mothering our children. If we're not necessarily mothers, we could be, you know, mothering our parents when we get to this age, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of, lot of caring and nurturing of other people. And I think mm. if 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 you're not careful, you'll look and you'll think, "Hey, I've got more years behind me than in front of me here." And if I don't mm. don't sharpen up, I'm going to miss the journey, and it's never been yeah. about me. I, I'm going to I'm going to miss the opportunity. So I think absolutely what you said. It's not selfish. It's not selfish. It's just about allowing yourself to re- relive, realize your purpose, and remember you're not a someone's you're actually a someone. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that a lot of women, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen to men as well, but yeah, yeah. I, I only speak from my own experience. Mm. Um, we we do seem to spend more of our life caring and prioritising other people around us mm. than what's going to actually make us happy. And ultimately, no one's happy if we're not happy. That's because right. we're, we're kind of the glue that keeps everything together. And if if we crumble then everything crumbles, mm-hmm. you know, family situations. It's so often the woman that's keeping everything running smoothly yeah. and ticking over that the minute that she collapses, yeah. the All whole, the plates the whole house collapses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it, the sooner women can learn that and go, do you know what? It's, you've got to prioritize your own happiness and it's not always going to be what other people mm. want it to be. No. And it's not always going to make everybody else happy, but ultimately the best thing for everybody is you to be happy so that they can find I don't know it's I always see it with like couples that are warring and divorcing and you think if one of you's not happy all of you can't be as happy as you deserve to be Mm. it's never going it's never going to be you're not all going to be happy so yeah I think finding your strength to follow your own path Mm. and not not to say everybody else be damned, no. but but prioritizing your own your own desires and yeah. and aspirations is it's not a bad thing. It's not, and 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 you deserve it. That's the thing, isn't it? That's it's it, about it? deserving it. So let's talk about Leah, fifteen year old Leah. What were her hopes and aspirations? What was she doing? What was what was what was oh. Leah at fifteen doing? <laughs> I mean, that's. Yeah, I had a very dark time when I was that age. Right. I I I um I'd been sexually assaulted oh, when I was fifteen no. and I was in a very, very bad place mentally and I wasn't going to school. I wasn't really functioning. Um right. made an attempt on my life. Uh it was really, really dark. Like I was on uh antidepressants, I didn't sleep at all. I had chronic insomnia for 
best part of 18 months. Um, so my 15 was probably one of the darkest years mm. for me ever. Um, and then when I sort of reached 16 and finished school, I made the decision not to go back, not to go to college. Yeah. I ended up going back to college just for a couple of months and then went, it's not for me mm-hmm. and got a job and sort of got out into the world. I needed independence and structure and motivation to do something more and be in a new environment. So I didn't have hopes and dreams at 15. I I was in survival mode. Mm. I just hoped I would make it to the next day, if I'm honest. Gosh, I mean, that is... <laughs> not quite a happy story, that one. Gosh, it's not. But I mean, so... To go from where you were there, that gap mm. to to Leah now, yeah, yeah. How, so, so how how have you? Because look <laughs> at you now, you're just an absolute vibrant joy. You really are. I mean, and you've had that tough time. I mean, how have you built yourself up from that? Then how have you what um, filled that gap? So, a lot of my turning points have always come back to one thing. So I lost my dad to cancer when I was only 10. My dad was only 41, but my dad had traveled the world twice with the Navy. He'd fallen in love twice. He'd unfortunately lost his first fiance in a car accident, but he met my mum, fell in love again, had two children. And while he was a very poor man, he was a man who had a lot of love for life and he would be the life and soul of a party. He was always happy and smiling and and whistling and singing. And he was just like a a happy person. Mm. And I've always kind of pulled myself out of the darkness and carried on because I've thought I might not live past 41. Mm. Like what if something happens and I'm like him and I die at 41, I want to live. Like I want to make sure that I filled my years with as much as I could. And so I traveled and I did jobs that I, I mean, I didn't do jobs that I enjoyed at the, at the beginning, but now, now I do. And I give, have jobs that give me freedom mm. and I don't put things off. If something makes me unhappy, I change it. Mm. I'm, and I'm not one that will wallow or that will play the victim. Not saying that people don't have reasons to be a victim and, yeah. and have that sort of state, state of mind. But I've just not ever been like that. I've been someone who's gone, right, this sucks. I'm not happy. What is it that's making me unhappy? Change it, change Mm. it immediately Mm. and move on. And I'll have my little meltdowns, but my meltdowns are always um, immediately preceded by massive change Mm. and a a big, big step towards something else. Mm. Um, And it's always just been that, uh, that kind of urge to live right now Mm. and not put it off till tomorrow, not go, Oh, well, I'll do that when I do it right now, if it's going to make me happy. Mm -hmm. And it can be quite a challenging way to live sometimes, but also it means that I'm not, um, I'm not ever prioritizing money over my own happiness. I'm not prioritizing other people's opinions or, um, what the world thinks I should do. It's about what I want to do and what's best for me and my son always, Mm. because I don't want to die having not made the most of the time that I've had here. And so I feel like even if I, heaven forbid, walked out into the street and got hit by a car tomorrow, Mm. I would have done my best to make a huge impact on everyone around me to, to have lived a good life, to have been on my adventures. And that's what I did. Like when I got to my twenties, even when I couldn't really afford it, I saved and saved and saved to go on travels. I'd get credit cards with interest-free periods and buy the holiday and then pay it off in installments without having to pay interest. And I learned to be smart with things and and not have to, 
Now, if I wanted the holiday, I wasn't going to go, I'm going to save up for it and go next year. I'm like, I'm going now. Yeah. And then I'm, I'll be sensible with with paying it off. And I will just work my ass off to pay it off. If if I have to do extra hours, I have to do it. Mm. And that's, yeah, that's what's got me to, to where I am is just that get up, brush it off and crack on because mm. life won't wait. Mm-hmm. It, it, that is so... Oh, I'm nearly speechless, actually, because that is just so important what you're saying there. And, I, and you know, you know, I've had uh, cancer twice, malignant melanoma, and, and I'm very like you. And I'm going through this period at the minute of, mm. of, of, of sort of reflection of what I maybe wish I had done and could have done. And now it's about our time ain't waiting. I need to yeah. crack on and, and get on and do it. And I need to make it happen. And it's like you say, you've got to make the changes to make it happen. It isn't just going to happen. And and a lot of people, you know, change is scary, isn't it? But so yeah. it was also possibly lying on your deathbed saying, I wish I had, instead of saying, that, I'm glad I did. That scares me far more. Mm-hmm. That's, that yeah. scares me far more. And, and it's something that I've noticed is a, a really distinct difference between me and my closest friends is that I'm a risk taker mm-hmm, and they'll always go, you know, I bought my house and they go do you really need a four bedroom house like what if what if business doesn't work out what if mm. you have to sell it what if this what if that and I went I don't want to have to move in another couple of years I'd rather stretch myself mm. for a house that I know I can stay in forever but I'm not I don't go what if mm. I go I can do it mm. if it all if the shit all hits the fan yeah. I'll be fine because yeah. I always have been fine it doesn't matter how much goes wrong in my life I will find a way to fix it mm. and I don't you know I'm I, I would love to say that I'm I have wealthy parents that can get me out of a scrape, but I definitely don't. Um, my mum's, you know, still in a rental house, works in a doctor's surgery. Mm. So she's not, um, you know, she's a receptionist and a dispenser. She, she's not a yeah. high earner. There's no one wealthy in my family. There's mm. no, uh, don't worry, you can go and live with mum. It yeah. like, doesn't yeah. work like that. Yeah. So it's all about keeping myself safe, but also, you know, people say to me, how can you travel with a little boy on your own? You're mm. taking risks. I'm like, I've got a credit card. The worst, if the, whatever's going to happen, like I'm not going to go, you know, trekking through a jungle completely on my own with him or anything like that. I'm not crazy, no. but like we, I want to go on adventures mm. and it, it sort of always plays on my mind that I was 10 when my dad died. Mm. That's only three years from now with, for my son. Yeah. I'm like, if I did, if the worst thing happened, and I always live with that, you know, is that going to happen to me? Mm. It, there's no reason it should happen to me, but you just never know. And I always think, I want to know that my son had the very best life that he ever could have had yeah. with me for as long as I was there. Mm. And so we go on adventures and we t- we do take risks. I don't risk his safety. No, I'm not, I'm not a terrible parent, mm. but we go on adventures and we do things that other people would probably put off till he's older because mm. I'm all about living in the moment. I'm not worried if he remembers it when he's 15. Mm. I'm, you know, it's shaping who he becomes. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's just something that's really important to me. It's something that, gives me something to work hard towards and you know it's it's never been and it never will be for me about money it's Mm. about creating a life that makes me and Dexter happy yeah and if I had to go back to minimum wage to be happy then I would like that's that's just not not the thing that that drives me no I mean we've got to know each other haven't we kind of over the last few months and you're making me super emotional god I've never felt like (laughs) this on my podcast (laughs) And it's because we have so many synergies and we, 
we're so passionate and our why I was going to say to you and I still will ask you the question but I kind of know your why is your boy and and my why was my son and is still and he's 23 so I'm just telling you now even though your little boy is what is he did you say he was I was seven. He's seven. He's seven. Yeah. And mine's 23. It does not get any easier. All right. So don't be thinking it's going to get any better. <laughs> the order it gets or anything, because it doesn't change. Okay. It's still the same. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting here all emotional because all the things you're saying about, you know, your why and, and about why you do it. It's not about the money. It's about creating the lifestyle and and when people say to me, oh, you're an entrepreneur or whatever, I always say, well, I'm a lifestyle entrepreneur because I'm not doing this. And, and, and I'm not criticizing people on LinkedIn. And I know sometimes I do have a few little digs about the let's make seven figures and seven day brigade. But I just think that it is everybody's motivation is different, isn't it? And, um, yeah. you know, but I think it's very important that if you are on that journey of seven figures, seven figures, seven figures, one day you've got to be aware you might wake up and look around and go, well, I've got a lot of money in the bank, but I'm 55 or I'm 60 and I've actually been nowhere and I've seen nothing. That's a conversation I had the other day is one of the things that I get a lot is pressure from people going, oh, you're going to be a millionaire. You're going to do mm. this. You're going to do that. And I'm like, I don't care mm. because you know, the obvious thing for me would be to start a content agency or a branding agency or some sort of a marketing agency and grow a team and have a multiple seven figure business mm. and use the the reputation and the skills that I've got to, to network and, and grow a business. But I said, I don't want to do that because my son is seven. Like mm. I'm a solo parent. Mm -hmm. If I was to grow a startup and a big team and all of that, I'm not, for a start, I'm not going to be doing the things that I enjoy because mm. managing people is not what I enjoy. And that does not make me happy. Working one-to-one -one directly with people makes me happy. Mm. And secondly, growing a startup is literally a seven day a week job. It's hustle, hustle, hustle. Even yeah. if you do it the slower, it's going to mean hustle. That means missing out on my son's childhood. Yeah. There's no way. I just won't do it. No. If that's something that I want to do in the future, fine. Yeah. But I'm kind of at that point now where... I've been so like the trajectory I've been on has been so sharp yeah. and fast that it's been such a whirlwind. I'm like, Phew. but now I'm ready to kind of stay still for a while. Mm. And it's not that I'm not creating more products and mm. I'm, I'm still working hard, but I'm okay with staying with things as they are yeah. because I don't want to work any harder. I don't want to have any more responsibilities. I want to enjoy my son being little. Yeah. Cause he's not going to be little for much longer. No. And there's just no way I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'll ever have more children. Mm. Chances are I probably won't. Mm. I had to really graft for the first few years of his life. And I was, you know, I wasn't absent. I was with him, but I wasn't giving him my full attention because I had to, to keep a roof over our heads. Mm -hmm. But now it's different. And I'm like, slow down. Yeah. Actually enjoy what you've got now. Stop worrying about what other people think is success. Stop mm. worrying about earning millions. I can pay the mortgage. I can pay his school fees. Yeah. I can pay for a nice holiday. I am extremely lucky and grateful that I'm in a position where I'm not having to freak out over the gas prices increasing, which yeah. three years ago would have absolutely killed me. Mm. I don't know what I would have done three years ago. I would have been panicking mm. and we would have been living in blankets at home. Like, yeah. And I, just, my heart breaks for people that are in the situation I was in back then. Yeah. 
and I'm just I'm okay with slowing down mm. and living my life just as it is at the moment and letting that keep going yeah and an idea might pop into my head and I might end up doing something else but growing a team and growing a startup mm -hmm. that's not on the cards for me yeah. right now and it's hard when there's so many surrounded by people we won an award we've got a new member of staff mm -hmm. we've got this client we've got that client you're like oh, I should be doing more I yeah. should be doing more I should be keeping up with everybody but I'm like it's not about that no it's about being happy yeah and being a good mum for me yeah me too I, absolutely exactly what you've just said there and you know well we know in 2008 you and I have had the conversations where you know I, I lost everything and had absolutely nothing you know at all and um and I think it's that that's made me really appreciate what I have and what I've built and that's why I've got no intention of pushing and pushing and pushing you know, I want to live. I want to, you know, what if I got cancer again and I wasn't around to see my son grow up and I, all I'd done was focus on, oh, but no, I'm not good enough. I need to make seven figures and I need to multiple those seven figures and eight figures and, and that's how I, my success can be measured. I would have missed out on all of, because I wouldn't be around because you can't be around to, to do well, that. Sam, you know, if if the worst happened terrible. And, and you got ill and, and didn't survive it again, your son wouldn't be comforted by the money no, that you left. No way. He'd be comforted by the memories that he cherishes of you. Yeah. And if you're raising a good kid who's a capable, independent, smart kid, yeah. he can make his own money. That's it. Exactly. That's absolutely it. And of course, we're not saying that, you know, we're not sitting here saying you don't need money to live because you and I both know no. what it's like to not have but anything. We've both found happiness with nothing. But, yeah. So it's very easy to go when you've when you've seen both sides of things and i'm not for any you know i'm not mega rich but no. i'm, I'm mm -hmm. comfortable now mm. um but i was happy on low income mm. i was happy because i could afford the food that we needed i could keep a roof over our heads and i had my little baby boy and we could go off on adventures if i stayed and for me i was happy like mm. genuinely i was happy yeah, yeah. it was stressful at times you know not like having to check the bank account for i went for a big food shop and all of that yeah. it, it was stressful but i was happy and i'm happy now and mm. i if it if i if it was the money and the business and everything that was making me unhappy i could quite easily be okay with the fact that I would need to go back to that to be happy again. I, I, the happiness isn't based on the money. The happiness is who I'm with mm. and how I feel about myself and the kind of kid that he is. That's, you know, it's not about the house and the car and the, yeah. all of that. No, Just, I don't care about that. No. And I completely agree. Now I want to talk about self-limiting beliefs <gasps> because in my coaching a lot, I, and you wouldn't, Think it when you see these super powerful women coming to me and they've got the multi seven figure business and, you know, and they, and they come and, and they're, they're so exhausted that their confidence <laughs> has become crushed and they, they have these self-limiting beliefs. What would you say? I mean, have you, well, first of all, we'll go back. Have you ever suffered from from that, that sort of self-limiting beliefs lack of confidence in in even in the in the role in the business you've created now and and if you have how have you and how do you overcome that then i mean oh god i've i've 
every single time I go to do a coaching session um, in person, I'm, I'm okay with the ones at home now, but coaching sessions in person, mm. every time I do a podcast, every time I'm just like, why do people want to hear about me? Why, why are people interested? Why would people pay attention to anything I say on the internet? And it nearly stopped me from carrying on on LinkedIn. I thought, God, what can I possibly say to all these professionals yeah. that would be adding to any sort of relevant conversation? Why me? Mm. Um, and I still do every single day. It blows my mind that people will pay me thousands of pounds to hear me talk about LinkedIn for a couple of hours. You're like, what planet is this? This is so bizarre. But the thing that's, I think you've got to have a realistic take on it mm. and say, okay, this is, this is me. This is my imposter syndrome. This is this limiting belief talking to me, but actually look at the facts, look at the case studies, look at the client testimonials, look at the feedback that you get, look at the results that you're getting. Mm. Right. Those are the actual facts. So why don't you believe why they'll pay for you? Did you, know, did you help that person get a six-figure client after they paid you 1,500 quid? Mm. Right. Now do you see why it's worth these people paying the money? And I think it's the, that's the thing that I have to keep reminding myself of. And I have a file of feedback. And when I'm having those days, I'll go and read it and go, stop doubting yourself. Mm. Your skills make people a lot of money. And that is what they're paying for. And that helps me. But also I just have to realize that everything that I want, everything that I enjoy doing, all of the things that I want to achieve, if I listen to that voice that says you can't, or maybe things will go wrong, I wouldn't have done half of the amazing things in my life. I'd never have got on a plane on my own to Thailand. I would never have started my first business. I would never have left a, a bad relationship that I never would have had my son on my own. Right. And they're all some of the, like, they're the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Some of those. Mm. And if I'd listened to that voice, I wouldn't have done them. Mm-hmm. And that voice has been in little decisions. It's been in big decisions, but I always just go, not listening to you, you're trying to hold me back. Mm-hmm. And if I ignore you and give it a shot, the only thing, it might go wrong, but stuff happens, you can fix it, you'll be fine. Um, so I just, I mean, there's not, I, I don't have any mega wisdom to share on how I do it. I just go, if I want to get there, I have to do this. And if I ha- do this, it's going to be scary. It's going to feel terrifying. I might screw it up. But if I don't screw it up, I get the thing that I want. And I'll be more confident about doing it again. Mm. So it, there's there's no wisdom. I just you just got to go for it. You mm-hmm. just got to ignore it and, and try and you know have a fallout plan in place in case you yeah. do screw it up. Exactly. And there could be some people on LinkedIn and they're just lurking in the shadows because they're terrified of putting something out there and being attacked because we've seen how the the pack can attack, haven't we? Yeah. And how things have exploded on LinkedIn when people have put a post out. And I mean, I look at it and I think, God, how are those people coping? I, I would literally probably never dare go on LinkedIn again if I, if, you know, when you see some of those things that have happened. But but it does happen because opinions conflict and, you know, not everybody's going to agree on everything. What would mm-hmm. you say to the people who are potentially holding themselves back? Because we know the potential of LinkedIn. If you if you can put yourself out there and you can, you know, do the networking and be authentic, what can you say to those people who are just, you know, they're the terrified of, of, of putting themselves forward 
for fear of being judged and getting negative feedback? I mean, the chances of you going viral and getting trolled to death are, are pretty slim anyway, if you're, unless you're, you know, touching on really particularly controversial subjects. But the benefits outweigh the negatives. There's no way I would still be there if um, I was if I was getting so much negative attention, mm. uh, you know, I do get negative attention. I have people that have blocked me, people that will post on other websites about how awful a person I am. Um, you know, I, I, you can't please everybody, mm. but like, even if 99% of the world don't like you, that's still 7.9 mil- billion, million people. I don't know. I've lost it's like 7.9 million people or something. I I did a post about it before. Like if 99.9% of the world don't like you, that's still nearly 8 million people in the world that will. Who do. Uh-huh. And you're not going to have 8 million clients. No. So like there's a, there's a good ratio there. There's yeah. a good chance that those people are going to like you. So I think you just have to kind of suck it up and go, if I'm going to ha- if I'm going to talk controversially about something, there is a chance that there's going to be people who disagree. Mm-hmm. I personally prefer to remain positive and mm-hmm. quite um, bubbly and friendly, and and focus on more like less controversial subjects yeah. because I can't be bothered with conflict. Um, but I think ultimately, when it comes to trolling, you have to remember that there is no such thing as a happy person mm. who sits at home. <laughs> and trolls and tries to make people feel bad deliberately. Those people are suffering. I mean, suffering from shit personalities, but suffering themselves to want to do that. Mm. So I sort of remind myself that it doesn't matter how good a person you are. It doesn't matter how much of a saint that you are. There will always be somebody who will find who won't like you and who will make everything you say or do suit this negative narrative they have in their head. And that's nothing to do with you. That's not based in reality at all. They've just decided that they're going to make everything fit this, this negative view that they've got of you. And there's, there's a whole bunch of people that do that about me. Mm. Um, But I just, they're not going to be my clients. So why do I care? Mm. They're not going to be paying my mortgage. (laughs) They're not going to be um, boosting my content. I mean, they will if they're commenting my content. That's yeah, a beautiful yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> the more negative comments, <laughs> the further your post travels and the more chance that an ideal client is going to see you and agree with you. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think you just got to focus on the fact that the positives that can come out of LinkedIn are far, far more important and more um, beneficial for your life mm. than worrying about the risks of a few negative comments and generally speaking those negative comments they're not personal no it's it's while we see a lot of conversations and uh opinions on linkedin Mm. it's very rare that it gets really personal Mm. because people are aware that they can be seen by their bosses and colleagues and clients so it's it's unlikely to be personal attacks too often Mm -hmm. um it's more just you know, differing of opinion. And unlike Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook, generally LinkedIn people do tend to express things in a more respectful way. Yes. Not always, mm-hmm. but, but generally speaking. Mm-hmm. So I, you can't let fear hold you back. No. You never do anything worthwhile doing in life if you're always frightened of 
someone might not agree with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, we're coming towards the end, sadly, because I could sit and talk to you forever. (laughs) I really could. Um, You've got a really busy business you know you, you you've got a lot going on and you've got your little boy how do you get that balance because that's the thing again a lot of my clients say to me is you know I just the juggle it's just too much how do you manage um, the juggle I haven't really been managing it that well but I've recognized that and I decided I wasn't going to do all my house renovations <laughs> myself <laughs> and I was going to get some help in because I'm fiercely independent and I like to be able to do things myself. Um, but I've kind of gone, do you know what? I, I have more money than I have time now, so I may as well pay somebody else to help me. Um, I also recognized that I, I really needed to have a focused day of working once a week. So I, I go into the city and the lady that cleans my house is now babysitting for my son as well. And she helps yeah. me on a Wednesday, picks him up from school, gives wow. him his tea yeah. so I can do a long work day. I'm working less in the evenings. I used to work every evening. I'd be sat on the sofa with my laptop working and I've, I've stopped myself doing that. Mm. And that's why I, partly why I'm building an office. I'm converting um, a room in my house into an office at the moment. Yeah. And I'm doing that so that I can have a space where I shut the door and work is completely separate. Mm-hmm. So I'm not constantly looking at it and going, oh, I should mm. go and do that. I should go and do mm-hmm. that. So I haven't nailed it yet, but I'm working towards a place where I've got a lot more balance yeah. and being a little bit more disciplined, but it is a is a process and it's taken me coming close to burnout a couple of times mm. to go shit mm. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've, I better sort this out because I'm absolutely drained yeah um so yeah I'm, I'm not I'm certainly not perfect but I think it's recognizing where you are really struggling and for me it was like the domestic side of things because mm. I don't like doing it mm-hmm. so you know just someone that comes and changes the beds once a week and cleans all the bathrooms and yeah. helps me to hang out and put laundry away because they're just things that they're just constantly on my mental load yeah and I and I never get through them all so that then allows me to actually sit on the sofa and binge watch something on Netflix and zone out of reality for a few hours mm-hmm. um which helps a bit well, it yeah. will. And, and by allowing someone else to do that, it's creating the space because while you're chilling out and, and unraveling, yeah, mm. it's giving you an opportunity to be far more productive in your business. And this is where a lot of people, again, who try to do everything. And this is a, another thing that comes into my coaching, which is what, what I do. What you've just done is what I mm. recommend. You know, it's you've got to think yeah. about all the things that you can offload. And if you if you if, and if it means you can go for a walk for two hours or you can sit on your sofa or you can do whatever you want to do, that isn't yeah. wasted space. That's space that's so needed for growth thinking. It is a growth mindset. Though, hmm? We do that. We do that. Oh, but if I don't do my yeah. own cleaning and laundry, I'm a bad wife. I'm a bad yeah, mum. Exactly. Like, no, you're not. If if your hourly rate is more than the cleaners, then it makes sense to hire a cleaner. That's exactly it. She's much better at it than I am anyway. I'm, you know, I'm ADHD. I'll start loading the laundry and then notice the dishwasher and then I'll start changing the beds and I've got 10 unfinished jobs. Yeah, yeah. And and I sat down and go, for God's sakes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just hired someone. So yeah, I think if you are in the situation where you can afford to do that, yeah. um, great. But expect less of yourself. Stop putting so much pressure on yourself to get everything done right away yeah actually a lot of the things that we're putting pressure on ourselves they're probably not going to be the end of the world if they wait a little while and we do take time for ourselves instead i think that is absolutely excellent advice now 
where can people find out about how to get in touch with you? Where can they find you? Well, if they put Leah, L-E-A, into LinkedIn, <laughs> you'll probably see me. It'll explode. Um, <laughs> I'm doing a Beyonce now. You don't even need a last name. Um, yeah, Leah Turner on LinkedIn or leahturner.co.uk. That's got all my website, all my social links, all my previous podcasts, all of my coaching details, products that I sell, digital course, everything is on there. Um, and you can find me at Leah Does LinkedIn on Instagram and TikTok. Not that I'm massively active on TikTok, but working on it. <laughs> well, all I can say, Leah, is honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I know how busy you are and I really hugely appreciate you taking the time out of your Thanks day to join me. me. And I know that my listeners will have just absolutely love this this interview. So, so thank you so very much indeed. Thank my you. Pleasure. Thank you. So thank you for listening to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. Thank you so much to the incredible Leah for joining us and sharing her advice. You can find more information about the things we've discussed to this episode in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. And please do share this podcast with anyone you think will enjoy it or needs it.